Welcome to today's episode of the We Travel There podcast. Today, we're ready to catch some waves in Oahu, Hawaii. Today's guest is Doug Norman, a retired Navy submariner who now writes for The Military Guide. I have huge respect for his military service and that he donates every penny he earns from the site and his book to helping military families. Doug shares his favorite surf spots and explains where you can swim with the sea turtles. Today's show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Oahu. Let's start the show. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Don't you just hate waiting in line for security at the airport? Me too. Even the pre-check lines are slammed most of the time today. That's why I use Clear to skip the lines and get to my flight quicker. For my listeners, I've actually worked out a special deal where you can try Clear for free for two months. This is a limited time offer, so go to wetravelthere.com forward slash clear to sign up today. Hey, Doug, welcome to the show. Let's talk about Oahu. Hi, Lee. Thanks for having me on, and I'm always happy to talk about my island. Nice. So what brought you to the island? Well, I, I got here courtesy of the U.S. Navy back in 1989. It's uh, one of the largest submarine home ports. My wife and I uh, found plenty of work to do here, and uh, as you can imagine, we like the climate. We've been here for almost 30 years. Nice. Yeah, I remember meeting you there a couple of years ago, and I can assure you there's no reason to leave that island. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if you're talking about Oahu, and if you can only describe it in one word, what, what word would that be? Well, for me, the word is surfing, and that's the way I feel about the whole island, but I'm sure there's many other things to do around here. <laughs> yeah, uh, for the listeners, Doug and I are part of this group called FinCon, and anywhere we go that there's water, all the FinCon people are are begging Doug for surfing lessons. So, <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, if people are coming to visit Hawaii, and if they're looking at the different islands and they want to pick Oahu, what would be a reason why they pick Oahu versus any of the other islands? Well, there's really no one reason to go to Oahu before any of the other islands, but it's best to go around the big four major islands. And Oahu's the most populous island. We have most of the state's people here, and there's plenty to see and do here without overloading the local economy. But there's still enough places on the island where you can get away from it all. For example, one of my favorite towns to do that is the town of Haleiwa up on the North Shore. But Waikiki is out there for everybody who wants the great big resort glittery experience that everybody has heard about or read about. Uh, and frankly, you do Waikiki once, and that's probably good enough. And then after that, you just find the part of the islands that you enjoy the best. Nice. Yeah, I actually was reading on the, the visitor's website that they call Oahu the gathering place because it does have the majority of the population. And I think it's one of the most popular islands to visit. Oh, yeah. And uh, we love it here. We enjoy being in a, an island that has all the conveniences of what we regard as modern America, you know, big box stores and uh, easy drives everywhere. Nothing bad about the neighbor islands either. They're starting to get some of those same conveniences and the so, same uh, access as well. But we just uh, generally like the access to transportation and international airport and being able to fly out anywhere we want without having to make a long drive or an inter-island flight. When people are thinking about coming to visit your island, is there a certain time of the year that's better than others, or is it always a paradise? <laughs> My wife's a retired meteorologist, and uh, we joke about how this is the easiest place in the world to do a weather forecast because it's between 75 and 85 degrees Fahrenheit all year round. You've got trade winds coming from the northeast at 10 to 15 mile an hour. Maybe you've got a little bit of rain shower in the morning, and the surf is uh, somewhere always good. Uh, South Shore is good in the summer, and North Shore is good in the winter. For people who are kind of beginners uh, on the surfing spectrum – 
are there beaches that have a little bit smaller waves so that way we're not going to get smashed into the reefs or what, what should they do? Oh, it's all over. Uh, there's plenty of surfing lessons on the island. For example, if you're staying down in Waikiki, you'll find the concession stands have surf lessons all along the beach. I do most of my surfing out in Kapolei at a former military base called Kalailoa, and its beach there is White Plains Beach. Uh, it's a lovely place. It's where many of the island's residents learned for the first time to do surfing. And it's, it's very safe, and the uh, surf is usually between two and four feet there, which is a great height to learn beginning surfing. Uh, up on the North Shore, sometimes of the year, a surf will be pretty quiet, especially in the summer. And uh, in the winter, of course, it's the big surf for the professional competitions. Those are always exciting to watch. But during the summer, there's still some surf in the North Shore, and there's still some people giving lessons up there. So plenty of places to go and plenty of places to learn, and uh, it's all within somebody's comfort. Yeah, I think we talked about the swells can get 30 feet or higher. Is that correct? North Shore uh, surf gets up there, uh, can be 30, 40 feet in the winter, depending on where the storms are in the northern Pacific. Uh, down in the South Shore, it doesn't get quite that big. Uh, usually, the biggest I see in the South Shore is about 16 feet. That's not challenging all by itself, but uh, the big surf is on the North Shore. That's what you see in all the uh, commercials and all the movies. Okay. So is there a, a resource for people when they're visiting that they can see where the waves are? So if they just want to go and, and be a voyeur and, and watch people surf and hopefully not have anything bad happen to them? Oh, yeah. Plenty of places like that. Uh, you can look at the National Weather Service forecast for all the local beaches to figure out what's the safest place. Uh, there's plenty of local magazines that uh, will tell you where the surf locations are on the island, where to go, where to be safe, or where to just watch, or where to get involved in, and do surfing. Uh, there's some local products that put out surf maps and surf guides. So, yeah, everybody wants you to get in the water and do something, and uh, hopefully it's surfing. <laughs> nice. So I know we've been talking about surfing a lot, but what other types of things are there to do in the town? I know like when I was there, we walked up Diamond Head, which I guess is, I think it's Lehigh, or is that the, is that the correct pronunciation? Well, that, that's the Hawaiian word. It's Liahi, and uh, that's Diamond Head. It just because it has some uh, crystalline formations in a rock, it looked to uh, the early settlers uh, from the mainland, it looked like diamonds. So there you are, Diamond Head. Okay. Uh, there's plenty of hiking on the island, and it's a very wide range of trails. You know, there's an easy stroll down a couple of paved miles uh, to Makapu'u Point Lighthouse on the east side, or you can go up Cocoa Head Crater for a real thrill of a climb up a, an old old cog railway line and there's plenty of other tours around the island you're familiar with diamond head that's a, an old military route to a pillbox from uh, world war one and world war two and there's other trails like that around the island there's plenty of places to uh, get way back into nature and get lost in the wilderness and uh, at plenty of places that are considered hard and difficult hikes but there's also lots of easy places to hike uh, there's various trail apps now. You can get that with a mobile phone, and that'll give you some guides to the trails. Or, again, once you come to Waikiki, you'll find that information downtown. Nice. And then, obviously, right now uh, it's closed, but one of the things that was really powerful for me when I visited was the USS Arizona Memorial in Pearl Harbor. That's a regrettable uh, problem uh, fixing that landing that uh, ties into the Arizona Memorial itself, but there's still hours of time that people can spend in the visitor center and the museums. And I find the history exhibits in the museums and just strolling around the waterfront to be uh, quite an afternoon. And it's not only the Arizona Memorial. When you go down there, you're also right next to a submarine museum, the USS Bofin. You're across the water from the USS Missouri Memorial, which is tied up right next to the Arizona Memorial. That's another good way to see the backside of the Arizona Memorial. And, of course, there's also the Pacific Aviation Museum on Ford Island. Uh, all those tickets can be arranged at the Arizona Visitor Center. And so you could spend literally two or three days just wandering around military history on the island. 
Nice. Because I think it is a misnomer when people hear that it's closed, they think that they can't go to that whole area. But there is, like you said, a lot to do uh, and a lot of history to learn uh, for us young bucks that you really should go anyways, even if you can't actually go out to the USS Arizona. So, oh, absolutely. The Hawaii Visitor and Conventions Bureau wants everybody to know that you can still go see the Visitor Center, and uh, they're working on fixing the landing as fast as they can because the Arizona Memorial itself is the most popular attraction on Oahu. Mm-hmm. Are the boats still going out in the water to take you by there, even if they can't land? Or Exactly, yeah. You, you get what we call a drive-by. You know, you can get a harbor tour around the Arizona Memorial itself, but yeah, you're not able to tie up at the landing or get onto the memorial. Okay. And so when people are looking to... To get around Oahu, is it something where you need to rent a car or do you can't take public transportation? What's the best way to get around? I think the best way for convenience and for a free and easy itinerary is to rent a car. And it's quite competitive around here. There's not just the regular traditional car rental agencies, but there's also a ride sharing like Turo. Uh, you could uh, use Lyft or Uber as well if you want to get from you know point A to point B, or if you've been out sampling craft beers or some other exercise like that where you don't want to drive. We do see people rent limousines to go on tours. Those are, tend to be package tours. You know, you go through a, a standard itinerary. You don't have much flexibility on that. But if you want to get out and explore on your own at your own pace, you got to rent a car. Okay. And say like a, in Honolulu or Waikiki, I'm sure that the parking is pretty expensive. Or are there free places to park when you're when you're heading out? No, you're absolutely right. Waikiki is a, a difficult place to have a vehicle, and you can get around Waikiki pretty well without one. Uh, ride sharing is very easy down there, and so is the bus schedule. But uh, when you're looking at getting out and what people think of as the real Hawaii, then you're going to get out for the bus lines, and you're going to be up in places like the North Shore where there's less transportation. Waikiki is tough for parking. Uh, there are a couple of lots for military residents that they get a reduced rate on parking, but in general, it's expensive. Uh, once you get outside of Waikiki and get out on the rest of the island, then you've got access to more public parking. And, of course, up on the North Shore, there's plenty of free parking lots and free areas to park, especially if you're going to go into a store and shop. Or if you're out somewhere on a beach, the public parking near the beach is pretty good. Nice. Yeah. Uh, we haven't talked yet about the food in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the, the local delicacies that people should try when they come to visit? Well, the only food I feel that is worth eating on the island if you're going to come all the way out here is seafood. I mean, you can get all the cuisines. Hawaii is international cuisine and all kinds of food out here. But uh, seafood is, of course, very fresh. And there's quite a wide variety of it. For example, if you go up to a place like Haleiwa, there's a, a shrimp truck right at the entrance to Haleiwa, right across the street from McDonald's. And I think, I think Giovanni's is outside selling McDonald's. But it's like that all over the island. There's probably 150, 200 restaurants on the island, and many of them have been here for decades. And there's always new ones every year. So there's plenty of places to find whatever cuisine you want. That's great. So I was doing a little bit of research on you know the local food. I saw some things like uh, they call it like a plate lunch. <laughs> The uh, the plate lunch is uh, intended to be a, a working man's lunch. You know, it's about uh, probably 2,000 calories. And, yeah, it's a, it's a big lunch. Uh, you can get it, of course, downsized to a, a human portion. But it typically okay. includes uh, some kind of seafood or some kind of meat or protein along with uh, two-scoop rice, right? you got to have the rice. And then you'll mm-hmm. have uh, some other kind of vegetable in there. Maybe it'll be something as simple as coleslaw, but you can also go with kimchi or some other uh, Asian cuisine. And everybody gets very competitive about it. You can always go to a big restaurant like Zippy's, a big popular chain of restaurants on the island. Okay. And you can find a great variety of plate lunches there or food trucks. We've got a lot of food trucks on the island. Nice, nice. And then it's kind of like the the teenager inside me, the little boy, kind of laughs when I hear about the poo-poo platter. 
Oh, yeah. And that's probably very popular in uh, hotels and uh, resorts. And, of course, as, as hors d'oeuvres uh, at a restaurant, you know, poo-poo is the Hawaiian word for what everybody in mainland learns to call hors d'oeuvres. Those are always good variety and great stuff to eat. You know, you're going to get a little sample of everything, so you'll quickly find out what you care for and what you don't. Yeah, when we were there visiting you, one of my, I think my son's favorite thing was the, the shaved ice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, there are certain places you have to go on the island. You just absolutely must go to, you know, the North Shore, to Haleiwa, to Matsumoto's Shave Ice, because apparently none of the other 300 Shave Ice places on the island do it quite in as good a condition as Matsumoto's <laughs> does, with quite the same experience as Matsumoto's. But there's there's plenty of places to do that on the island and plenty of variety. And then uh, something called a loco moco. Yes, uh, Locomoco is an interesting meal to have once. Uh, I would say that that's probably the only meal you need to eat all day, but you're right. It's, uh, you know, eggs and a piece of beefsteak. Maybe it's hamburger or maybe it's actually sirloin. And, uh, of course, you've got to have a lot of brown gravy over those two-scoop rice. And when I say two-scoop rice, we're talking a very large scoop. It might be the size of a baseball. It might be the size of a softball. Wow. Yeah, that, that is a lot of rice. <laughs> it is it is yummy, but uh, it does tend to be more calories than just about anybody needs. I guess that's more reason to go out there and surf so you could burn some of those calories off, right? Oh, yeah. And I'm not, you know, I, I would make a joke about eating Locomoco, and it's probably not something you want to eat every day, but it is yummy, and it is tempting, and you have to make sure you're uh, adequately balancing your diet. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, when you're talking about balancing your diet, obviously, we got some desserts. So uh, something called a, a malasados. Yeah, and and you've you've seen donut holes before, and uh, that's the the island version of a donut hole. But uh, malasadas are cooked all over the island. One of the most popular places to get malasadas is from Leonard's Bakery. Now Leonard's Bakery is downtown, but they also have parked trucks around the island. There's one out in uh, Waikele Shopping Center out near Waipio Gentry, and that's an easy uh, half hour drive out of Waikiki if you don't want to deal with the crowds around the bakery. But the malasadas are very popular local food, and uh, just about every bakery has their own version of malasada with their own flavorings, their own coatings. And I tell you, I grew up around it here in the island when I was a grown-up. You know, we've lived here for almost 30 years, so malasadas are just like a normal cuisine. But to my daughter, who grew up here and now she's uh, on the mainland, malasadas are a special treat. And so when we get to the islands and she's ready to go out and do some surfing, she frequently stops by at the Malasada truck just to get herself a fix before we get down to the beach. Right on. There we go. Yep. <laughs> so speaking of getting into the water, I didn't get a chance to see them when I was there, but what's going on with the turtles at Lanakea Beach? Am I saying it correctly? Yeah, yeah it's a Lanakea or Lonnie's. And that's a popular beach up in the North Shore. Now, there, there are many beaches around the island, all the islands, where turtles will frequent the reefs and haul occasionally on the sand. But Lanaike seems to be the place that you can reliably see some turtles in the surf or out there on the sand. They are a federally protected animal. And, of course, you got to leave the turtles alone because the ones that haul out at Lanaike Beach will frequently be there to lay eggs uh, at a certain time of the year. But the whole island has a very big population of ocean-going sea turtles. And so it's very common when you're out there snorkeling around or swimming around to see one swimming by, just going about its business. They hang out near the reefs. They uh, eat the uh, growth on the reefs. They occasionally eat a little bit of protein from some small critters that may be around there. And it's not uncommon when you're out there surfing Chun's Reef to uh, see a turtle in the wave just as you're getting up on your board and you have to work your way around them. <laughs> nice. So obviously surfing is a big part of your day and, and uh, one of your favorite activities. What other types of things do you like to do when you're, when you're not in the water? 
Well, actually, uh, that is what most of what I do because I'm surfing two or three times a week, and then in between, it's uh, the lifestyle that everybody leads on the island. You know, you've got chores and errands, and you're working on the house and doing those types of things. I, I spend a lot of time on the internet, reading and writing and talking with other people. But we do enjoy hiking around the island. Uh, I do enjoy an outdoor lifestyle. Uh, there's plenty of places to bicycle around the island, plenty of bicycle trails down on the south shore and up on the north shore. If you're the kind of person who just wants to lay on a beach and vegetate, well, that's easily done around here as well. We haven't done much scuba diving uh, around the islands lately, but of course there's plenty of snorkeling. And uh, I find that I tend to spend most of my time on the water. And if I'm not on the water, I'm probably at home recovering with some ibuprofen. <laughs> yeah. As you start to get up there in age, I mean, I know I'm this way after I work out. It's all about the Advil and, and the Icy Hot. Yeah, don't don't save any of these activities until you're older. It's just not going to get any better. It's just going to get harder to recover. <laughs> so one last thing before we get to the final countdown is one of the, the activities that we really liked when we were visiting Oahu is, is going to the Dole Plantation. Oh, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It's a popular place, especially for kids and families. Uh, you get to the Dole Plantation and you get to see a little slice of what it was like when uh, Hawaii was one of the world's leading pineapple producers. And they've got a little uh, train to ride around and a little uh, maze to look at. And there's various foods and things you can buy in the store there. So that's a nice stop on the way up to the North Shore. It's right off the side of the highway. It's easy to get to. And anybody that's going up to the Dole Plantation to begin with, one of the first places they're going to go by on the way up there is a place that's one of my favorites uh, called Green World Coffee. It's a coffee shop, but it's in a gigantic warehouse. It's just packed with memorabilia of coffee growing in Hawaii and coffee culture all across America, you know, different brands and advertising and posters from you know, all, all the 20th century up onto the 21st century. And they've also got a, a working coffee farm there. You know, there's coffee up in Wailua that's uh, local grown on Oahu coffee. And then there's uh, various trees to look at around Green World Coffee itself. Plenty of stuff to buy up there, but I just enjoy taking a cup of coffee out in the lanai there and kicking back with a friend. We have several people who come to Hawaii for visits or trips, business trips, and that's a nice way to spend an hour or two. No, that sounds fantastic. My wife said loves coffee, so next time I bring her out there, we're definitely going to have to stop by and grab it up. Yeah, you can so, you can turn into a real coffee snob here, and uh, the Green World <laughs> Coffee brings in coffee from all over for easy sales, so it's a great place to pick it up. That'd be a great place if you wanted to bring home a, a sack of coffee, some beans to be able to, to grind it at home and bring her back a little bit of the island with you, right? Exactly. Exactly. Great. So uh, a lot of things that Doug and I have been talking about here will be in the show notes. We have some others that will also be in the show notes that we haven't had a chance to discuss, but it's time for the final countdown. And so Doug, if a traveler only had time for one meal when they came to visit, where should they go and what should they eat? My personal preference is going up to Haleiwa to a little hole in a wall called Cafe Haleiwa, and it's uh, owned by a couple of uh, old surfers. Uh, one of them is uh, a brother who invented uh, a special type of fin for surfboards called the, the Bonzer. But the uh, Cafe Haleiwa is a great place to, again, get a local food, kick back with uh, a brunch or a breakfast or a lunch meal and a cup of coffee and just enjoy life and uh, watch the locals go about their day. Right on. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. So what's one of your most memorable stories of living there? Uh, they mostly involve surfing. Up on the North Shore, my favorite surfing spot there in the winter is a place called Chun's Reef. It's on all the surfing maps. You can find it there easily. It's just a little further down the road from Lanaiakea Beach. But what I like about Chun's Reef is that it's a nice, predictable break in a small region where you can sit in the spot, keep a good eye on the ocean around you, and pretty much catch the same wave over and over and over again. And when the forecast is between 10 and 15 feet, I have a great time. Oh, that sounds wonderful. So 
Uh, so when you're done with uh, surfing for the day and you want to cool off a little bit with a, with a nice frosty beverage, where would you say the, the happiest happy hour is? Well, I, uh, my drinking days are behind me, so my uh, happy hours tend to be around coffee shops. And, of okay. course, Green World Coffee is one of the tops. Uh, there's another place in a tiny little town called Wahiwa called the Surfer's Cafe. And believe it or not, it's packed with uh, surfing memorabilia. That's another nice place to spend a quiet hour or two. As far as finding a place on the island to get a good adult beverage, uh, they're all over again. Haleiva uh, is very good at it. And there's plenty of craft brewers on the island, especially if you go down to Aloha Tower Marketplace. Uh, Gordon Biersch is one of the more popular craft breweries down there. Uh, but there's also plenty of craft brewery outlets all over the island. Oh, nice. Are there like uh, local brewers? Oh, yeah, yeah. The most popular ones are the uh, locals uh, like Longboard for uh, ales and uh, Indian pale ales and also for uh, thicker beers. But yeah, there's plenty of craft brewing around here. Right on. And then uh, if we're having some beers, my favorite thing is whenever I travel is to grab a pizza from uh, the local town. So what's the best place for pepperoni pizza in, uh, in Oahu? <laughs> Uh, I'm going to have to think about that because when I think of pizza, the first thing I think of is going to a place in Chicago called Uno's. You know, me and six billion other people on the face of the planet. Yep, yep. But actually, uh, pizza around here, you know, fresh ingredients, uh, get good pepperoni, good sausage from uh, the local uh, butcher shops around here. Uh, frankly, uh, you can't find a bad pizza on the island. My favorite is either going to be at uh, pizza I make at home from the ingredients or, believe it or not, and again, I apologize to the pizza snobs out there, but my favorite pizza comes from Costco. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to beat that deal, but your Costco pizza is nice and big uh-huh. and affordable for sure. And you get the same thing every time, and it's enjoyable. It's good fast food. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, Doug, it's been great having you on the show. I uh, really enjoyed learning all about Oahu and, and the, the beaches and the surfing. Let's talk a little bit about what you do and where people can reach you. Well, I, I write about military personal finance. I've got a website, themilitaryguide.com, and you can find that on Google. The URL is the-military-guide.com, but just enter the words the military guide in a search engine and the site will come right up. And that's financial independence. It's mainly oriented at military service members and veterans and families, but the dirty little secret about it is that the math works the same for civilians as it does for people in the military. So it's uh, everybody's personal finance, but especially focused on military benefits. I've also got a book that is advertised on a website, and it's in uh, over 100 libraries around the world. I, I tell my readers uh, to go find the book at a library or go borrow it from somebody. Uh, all the revenue that I make from my writing on the blog and in the book, I, I donate all that to military-friendly charities. No, that's very admirable of you. I mean, the, one of the things that I think we all can recognize is that a lot of the military veterans and uh, active-duty service members – they sacrifice so much, uh, yet their pay is often not in relation to their sacrifices and also the sacrifices of their family. Being able to do what you do to help them uh, you know, find better ways to save and, and to invest is, is just wonderful. And the fact that you, <laughs> that you donate everything that you're earning towards that is a whole step beyond what anybody would realistically expect. So kudos to you for that. Well, thank you. And I'm just paying it forward. I've got a pretty good life here and I enjoy sharing it with people. Nice, nice. Well, is there any place on social media where they they should reach out to you? That's the same stuff on social media. My Facebook profile is all public, uh, Doug Nordman. And of course, we've got the uh, obligatory page on Facebook for the military guy. I occasionally put up uh, military themed stuff there or uh, local Hawaii videos or pictures. 
And I'm on Twitter and, of course, on LinkedIn. Uh, a lot of military service members are concerned about making the transition between active duty and uh, the civilian world. So I spent a lot of time on LinkedIn helping out with suggestions on how to do that. That's great. So we really appreciate everything that you've done and everything that all the service members have done to protect us and make the world a safer place. So really appreciate that. Thanks again for being on the show. We really appreciate it. All right, Leah. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody at FinCon. I've known Doug for years, but haven't been able to take him up on his offer to teach me how to surf. After hearing all about Oahu and its gorgeous waves, it's time to learn. Even if surfing isn't your thing, there's so much to see and do in Oahu, Hawaii. No wonder why it's so popular with the tourists. So what was your favorite part of the show? Please let us know in the show notes at wetravelthere.com forward slash Oahu. Join us in the next episode when Bill Nowicki of the Marietta Stories podcast shares the wonderful history of Marietta, Georgia, and explains the story behind the big chicken. We hope you'll join us when we travel there.